You're listening to Comedy Central. What is up? My name is Roy. Welcome to my job fair. Hey, this is episode one, man. We did it. We did it. I've joined the long list of people during a pandemic who decided to put together an acoustical radio presentation just for your ears. But before we even start, just bring, bring the music down. Bring the music down for a sec. Just for a second. Look, it's four stages of employment, all right? You either love your boss, you want to slap your boss, you need a new boss, or you're trying to be your own boss. And also retirement. Okay, there's five stages of employment. You get what the hell I'm trying to do here. If I could put it into a story, this is what I hope for this podcast to be. I remember when I was like 22, 23 years old, and I was still working the road as a road comic. I was headed to a gig in Kentucky. And halfway to the gig, the booker called me and he goes, yo, man, the gig is canceled. I'm sorry. So I didn't have enough money and gas to get back to Birmingham. The money I was getting from the show, that was supposed to be my money to get back home. It was one big one, another one of them break even trips. And I ended up pulling over at a truck stop and I cried. And I'm going to be honest. I cried. I had I cried. I like you don't cry. I wake up the next morning because when you get to that point, when you're at that low in your life where you've. You've exhausted every person you could borrow money from. You've reached out to every person that has been able to give you advice, but you don't always want to call people when you're down. You know, I was out of options. And I wake up the next morning at the truck stop in Bowling Green and I look and there's a bunch of dudes going in the store in the gas station, you know, whatever. And they're getting their morning coffee. It's like five, six in the morning. I go in and the dude looks at me. One of the guys, he goes, you wearing the wrong shoes. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, young blood, if you work in this construction job, you got to have boots. There's boots over there. And these guys work temp service at a construction site, and they were just there going through their usual morning routine of getting, you know, sausage biscuit and some coffee. And I go, yo, can I roll with y'all and work real quick? And the dude was like, hell yeah, young blood. I'm sure they'll put you to work. I said, cool. Now, can I borrow $20 to buy some fucking boots? (laughs) You know, I had a little bit of cash, but not enough to get home. So I put that with his money, bought a pair of boots, went and worked a construction site, got my paycheck for the day, cashed that thing, and got back to Birmingham. God willing, this podcast will be somebody's pair of boots. Now, in the way to doing that, we're going to laugh, and please believe we're going to talk a lot of shit, all right? But every now and then, you might find your pair of boots. Um, helping me run this show every week is going to be my writer-researcher, the homie Cody E. Wilkins, a.k.a. Cody Will. Also taking us on this journey is the wonderful producer of this program, and she is the lifeblood. She is the red blood cell. She is the oxygen of Roy's job fair. She is Jacqueline. I'm not allowed to say her last name because the internet be crazy. So uh, we affectionately call her JG. JG, what's going on? Hello. Um, this week, we, we, it, it's it's not quite a theme, but there's definitely a thread between all of the different worlds of employment that we're going to explore and discuss. Um, this is about jobs where you stand up for the most part. Standing up on your feet, doing a lot of moving around in service of people. Jobs on your feet. Um, I think that'll be the theme this week. Cody Will is in the building. How you doing? Feeling good, man. Glad to be here. What do you mean about jobs on your feet? Well, you have the lineup. You know who the fuck gonna be on the show today. And a lot of these jobs... I 
I was I was looking at the sheet. I was looking at the sheet of people that you have lined up. Like you got we got the homie from Waffle House gonna stop through. Uh we got my man, the, the prostate cancer, the prostate doctor. He stand up, you can't give a prostate exam laying down. That's not even called a prostate exam. Um Everybody's on their feet. Okay. Also our most outstanding employee of the of the week, big on our feet. Uh, See what I'm saying? It's sure. a threat. So we, we, we it's a threat. Uh, so I don't know if y'all heard about this a couple of weeks ago, and, and and it's something that I've been meaning to talk about. This happened a while back, but I I don't want to start the show attacking a particular form of employment. However, as the great Stephen A. Smith sometimes says, <laughs> it's time out for journalists. The, the way the way we cover almost plane crashes in this country, I'm tired of. Mm. I'm I, I it's a weird thing to be bothered by, but so so there was a plane with the engine. Uh, did, did you see this shit, JG? With the, the airplane fire flying over Denver, the engine like a barbecue grill, and they had and the parts was sprinkling all over the ground, which is horrifying. It's a horrifying thing to be a part of. I wouldn't want to be on that plane, but every time they do one of these stories. They interview all of the passengers who are happy to be alive. Like, like every every interview is just, so what were you thinking when you were up there at 500 miles an hour with a flame sitting right underneath a fuel-filled wing? What were you thinking? Well, you know, it's just a blessing to be on the ground. And, when we got, and then they always cut to the shot of motherfuckers clapping when the plane touches right. down. True. Air travel is one of the safest forms of transportation in this country. Can't speak globally. We're still looking for the Air Malaysia flight. In America, air travel is one of the safest forms of travel. And all of these almost crash stories, I just don't think are stories. Like, it's like, it's messed up. Damn, that's crazy. But if you want people to remain calm about air travel, in a time where not a lot of people are traveling, maybe don't interview the motherfucker that was horrified. That You would think you dine it want those people to shut the fuck up just just once i would love to see i would love to see in a in a almost crash interview i would love to see them talk to the person who wanted the plane to blow up <laughs> what they never find him here as as the only person um on this acoustical radio presentation that has a degree in broadcast journalism here's what they oh teach you. wait a minute wait 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 oh shit oh shit i fucked up okay wait a minute. my undergraduate Uh-oh. degree is in broadcast journalism sir no 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 How no, no, no. I not know I'm that a, about you yeah i'm a producer through and through you are one of the most layered and interesting individual cody did you know jacqueline owns a gun and she goes to a, a shooting range regularly I knew that she owned a gun. I didn't know about the regular shooting range exercise, but I, I will say she landed that plane of yours quite quickly, sir. Um, <laughs> that, that, uh, that was impressive and immediate. JG, you are an interesting, interesting person of many layers, and I'm sorry to have ever doubted and assumed anything about your educational background. Do you accept my humble apology? Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. You're fine. I'm good. So as one of two people on this acoustical radio presentation with a degree in broadcast journalism, pause for Cody. You know, my mother. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you should say that because it's true. His mother is like for real, for real. It's in the genes, you know. Oh, yeah. Cody's mom is like legit. Can we can we say what she's? She, uh, my mother 
is uh, the president of the National Association of Black Journalists. So uh, I'm I'm familiar. I'm going to take the, the soft nepotism knowledge route on this one, but also just back up because I want to see you fly, Roy. I want to hear your authoritative statement. As one of three people on this acoustical audio <laughs> presentation with some degree of experience, who has read a newspaper, uh, <laughs> What they at least what they taught us at FAMU was when you're trying to get the story, you're trying to get people on both sides of the story so you can honor different perspectives. When a plane almost crashes, more often than not, the only perspective is I thought I was going to die and then I didn't die. Man, I can't wait to get to Los Angeles. Where's my luggage? Somewhere in those 200 people that's on that plane is one person that was just looked out the window and looked at that flame fucking smoldering underneath all of that fucking jet fuel, and they looked at that flame, and they just whispered to themselves, finally. Where's that person? That's all I'm saying. Work harder to find better perspectives when there's almost a tragedy, journalist. That, that'll be my little... I feel like I got the show off on the wrong note. No, I look, like... I just think, Roy... What you've just done is inspired that person who wanted the plane to go down to keep flying, to get not only get their odds up, but to get enough miles so they could go into the, the I've got this many miles lounge and just start feeding the pilot drinks. We all saw that Denzel Washington movie. It's possible. You can get somebody to mess up that crash landing. All you got to do is keep flying. Okay, believe just me. Just run yourself. and bang on the door. Yeah, look, man, let's gun it. There has to be at least one person when the engine blows up. Fuck it, man, let's just gun it. <laughs> you ever been on the freeway with a check engine light and you're like, should I go home or should I just get to my destination and worry about this shit when I leave the bowling alley? Like, which which one do you do? All right, I've wasted enough time. We got to get the show on the road. Cody, let's go ahead and start it off because I know at some point, on this journey tonight, you're going to say something irredeemable. So this is an opportunity to redeem yourself in advance. This is a segment that we like to call Cody's most outstanding employee of the week, a.k.a. Cody says something nice. And I appreciate the opportunity, Roy, uh, because you really you lobbed me right into it, talking about our suicidal airplane passenger. My most outstanding employee actually just started his job. Japan, the nation of Japan, just appointed a minister of loneliness. This minister of loneliness is meant to help curb what's been an uptick in suicides in Japan for the first time in 11 years. In the month of October 2020 alone, they had more suicides in Japan than they had COVID deaths. So Japan's called in the minister of loneliness to come in and help people feel a little more communal and happy. And he just got an amazing assist from Japan's own Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka just picked up her fourth major tennis title win. Yeah, Australian Open. She the beat Australian the Australian Open. Yeah, she did she it. Fourth beat one, the right? snot out of America's Jennifer Brady, not to be confused with the equally as white Tom Brady. And most impressive. Jan Brady. Most impressive about Naomi's win was what she said afterwards, which was her dream is to play long enough that she can play against someone who once looked up to her as a child, which would be like if Michael Jordan finished the Like Mike commercials and looked into the camera like, I dare you to grow up, little Timmy. I'll dunk on your ass, too. 
That's the most thuggish, ruggish, long-term commitment to non-retirement I've ever seen. So shout out to the Minister of Loneliness and his trusty assistant, Naomi Osaka. I really enjoy the way that that America and Japan are sharing Naomi Osaka. Like it's a it's a it's a beautiful joint custody situation that hasn't gotten ugly. <laughs> Nobody is like really like duking it out over like like the way we try to share Idris Elba with England, it's not going well. It's not, you know, it's I'm not sorry. as smooth. Wait, you started talking about Idris. I believe that we should do a full show there, and um, I volunteer to handle anything <laughs> that needs to happen here. Thank you. Look, you're not gonna be flirting with with people on our on our show, you know. That man is married, you know? very happily married, and that's all we need to say. He's Idris. <laughs> I like how she just says it, then mutes herself, like she's right, leaving the quick. room or something. Like we, we can still see you. Looks over real quick. <laughs> and now I will excuse myself. I will be right back. Thank you, Idris Elba. Hmm. Uh, okay, so a minister of loneliness. What would that look like in the states? You know, mental health is a serious issue. You know, I'm not gonna joke about it. anything you can do to bring awareness to it. You know, it's a dope thing. I, who is our minister of loneliness? I would. YouTube? I thought that I had kind of given myself the title Minister of Loneliness about four weeks into the pandemic. Then I realized that everybody kind of had dubbed themselves the Minister of Loneliness. We've all been in the crib forever. I I feel like we've all got a pretty good handle on what it is to be lonely. And some of us have been so thirsty to not be lonely that we were willing to kind of step out and risk it all. So we certainly could use someone to coordinate a couple Zoom break-off rooms and, and get this sorted out. I think... Probably like, I don't know, Kevin Bacon. He knows everybody. I think Ray J. Ray J, every time I see Ray J, he's a good time. He seems like he's having fun. He's enjoying life. You never feel sad watching anything Ray J is doing. You never feel sad watching some specific stuff Ray J's done as well. Hang on, Cody. We're pausing to see if Jacqueline jumps in to compliment Ray J's abs. There's nothing. You can just keep moving. So disrespectful. Uh, th- here, here's a side effect of loneliness. We're going to get now into uh, Worst and First. This is where we invite you, the people who listen to this program, to share with us either your worst job experience or your first job experience. If you have one you want to share with us, hit us up on the socials at Roy's Job Fair, at Roy's Job Fair. Whatever we are, wherever you are on social, we're there. Put a dot .com behind it if you want to go to the website and submit your name to be on the show. Now, before we get to the two brothers that are standing by, uh, we need to talk real quick about a real quick sponsor. Did you see the teacher that, that beat up the kids at the McDonald's? Yes. Did some school teacher, like, here's the thing about McDonald's fights. You never know when they were from because they just pop up <laughs> on the internet either the day of or three months later. Like, you just don't know. But uh, there was a school teacher in Florida who got, she got arrested because she got into a fist fight with some sixth graders, I think it was. And that brings me to our sponsor, Cousins and Them. Cousins and Them Fight <laughs> Services. This is a company that has been around, I'd say since like 2003, 2004, family owned. And here's what they do for you. They will send someone to fight a stranger on your behalf. There's a lot of litigation when it comes to a fight. It's cute when you're in high school because nobody really goes to jail or the court or anything. But when you're an adult, 
There are consequences to be paid for laying your hands on a stranger. Don't do that. Download the Cousins in Them app, put in your credit card information, and when an altercation starts bubbling up, they will send someone to a, this school teacher in Florida for the low price of $40 per ass whooping could have got someone to come beat the shit out of them sixth graders on her behalf and she would still be employed. She would not be all over the internet with her mugshot and she would still have smooth hands. That's the other thing about fighting. It scuffs up your hands. Hit them up online, cousinsandnim.com, nim, N-E-M.com. Jacqueline, have you ever been in a fight at a McDonald's? I have never been in a fight, actually. Well, I guess not, because you got a gun. So that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense that you ain't been in no damn fight before. Uh, all right. We got to welcome this homie on the show for worse than first. Yo, he is the host of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast available exclusively on Spotify. He is the homie Rod. I'm not even sure if I can say last name. I don't know if you put your last name out there in the world. Uh, Rod, give me your first and worst. I know you got a story. So my first and worst are the same job. Um <laughs> <laughs> I got hired uh, when I was 15 years old to work cash register at McDonald's in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was the closest McDonald's at the time, the closest fast food to the theme park Carowinds. Uh, That meant, in addition to being the number one robbed McDonald's (laughs) in in the city. Hang on, hang on, Rod, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry to cut you off. First things first. Walk me through a McDonald's robbery. Oh, <laughs> what what is exactly? Is it put all the money in the bag? Are they taking snacks? So, uh, number one, I never got robbed. Okay, now this is not because I was so great. I was just literally lucky. I was fifteen, and they had these laws where you had to be gone by a certain time of the night, like sundown. You got to go. I always came in the next day, and it would be like, brother. You should have been here. I'm like, no, I shouldn't have been here. That's, that's the whole point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> In addition to that, it was also the number one spot for buses of kids to hit the store up several times oh, a day. So you were the field trip McDonald's. We were the field trip McDonald's. It was one time we got a we got three buses on the lot at the same time. And it was just before, they told me to go on break just before the buses showed up. They were so busy, they forgot I was in the break room. You hid? And so I stayed in that that break room for the whole rush. Yes, the whole rush. And then when I got out, you know, the manager was like, where were you at? And I said, you told me to go on break. And he was like, well, you you got to clean up all this thing. You ain't been out here. Clean up the lobby. Clean up the bathrooms. Clean up everything. Oh, and the other thing is, you know, at 15, I couldn't drive, so I needed a ride. My mom had shown up <laughs> to take me home. Oh, my God. And I couldn't tell her, Mom, I need an hour to clean the inside of the restaurant. So I just literally never clocked in from break, walked straight out the door, got in the car, and told her, I'm, that's it. I'm never coming back here. This is my last day. And that's how I quit. Amazing. God bless you. Rod, thank thank you so much for that, Rod. You're a busy man. I know you podcast five days a week. We only do it once a week. Uh, Give everybody a breakdown of the podcast real quick. It's the Black Guy Who Tips. It's a comedy podcast. My wife and I do it together five days a week. You can find it exclusively on Spotify. Just search the Black Guy Who Tips. Follow us. Like us. Interact with us. Thank you very much, Roy. And as always, man, I'm always 
Huge fan of yours. Always watching what you're doing, man. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, brother, man. Y'all get that COVID shit figured out down there in North Carolina. Maybe I'll come down there and do a show. Yeah, bro, I'm just staying inside. (laughs) 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 All right, after the break, we're going to get into some of the jobs that are out there. We're going to talk to a brother over there at Waffle House, and we're going to talk a little bit about ways that you can help to be a part of ending prostate cancer. This is the Job Fair. Welcome back to Roy's Job Fair, brought to you, as always, by Cousins and Nim Fight Services. We are talking about jobs you can do on your feet this week, and uh, I know that we have a bunch of people standing by, and this is the part of the show where we talk about job openings that are, you know, happening across the country, and, you know, there's... There's lots of work out there, and it might not be where you live, but it can give you an idea of where to look for work where you are. It's all types of weird stuff out there. Um, JG, who, who's up first? We have Jamie, and he is the CEO and president of Zero, and they are working to end prostate cancer. Now, that's, now you know what? Get on in here. Jamie, welcome to the job fair. How are you doing? Hey, Roy. Good to, good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. And thank you. I know the people listening can't see it, but I can see it because we're doing video so that we can feel more connected. I appreciate the nice button down polo. The bookshelf situation is quality. I can tell that you got a family that loves you back there because everything's nice. That is a lamp that nobody that's single would pick out. That is a relationship lamp. That is. Yeah, I like to pick out. I love your shelf, too. I mean, you can't go wrong. Red Fox. Purple Rain, go love your show. Oh, you yeah. Know. A Looking little few Now, yeah. uh, JG said that you reached out, and I thought that this was an interesting topic. My father passed with prostate cancer when he was 80, so it's always been an issue that's been, you know, prominent in our family. And, you know, I'm 42 now, and so I went at Dakota, you'll appreciate this. I went and got a prostate exam um, a couple of weeks ago. And it wasn't until after the exam, the dude was like, yeah, you don't have to do this until 45 now. But in 1995, when my father passed, everybody was like, you got to go as soon as you hit 36. It's crazy, motherfucker. You better go get your prostate check. And I was mad. And and it wasn't like, like, here's the thing, JB. When you go to the doctor's office for a prostate exam, it's forms, it's paperwork, it's tons of paperwork. And everything on that paperwork has your date of birth. They ask you your date of birth, they draw your blood, they make you say your date of birth to confirm it. And then they log in to get the results or whatever, they make you say the date of birth. How you didn't know I was 45 and you just hit me over the head for this copay, for this prostate exam that you could have just checked my blood for, but I'm gonna let it slide because my daddy died of it, so I still appreciate you. And. Oh, it was interesting. I couldn't get mad. So tell us a little bit about Zero and uh, some of the job openings you all have. Absolutely, Brian. Uh, and keep getting checked, too. I, I, uh, I've i met guys who are your age and younger who have gotten it. Even known guys Thank who have you. died from it. Younger Thank than you. Me, so this doctor, this, and I'm not trying to be an asshole, but this doctor made it seem like I was wasting his time by daring to come in to do something that he gets paid to do. Bitch, I'm here to give you the copay. Why you got a problem with me? I'm sorry, I'm raising it's my prevention. voice. I'm, I'm prevention. Going. I'm going uh, I'll tell prices. you about it. And so at at uh, at zero, our mission is to end prostate cancer, and we uh, we do that by advancing research. We improve the lives of men and their families, and uh, we inspire action. 
against the disease. Um, you know, because your dad had it and passed away from it, and you said when he was 80, but um, there are lots of families that have been impacted by prostate cancer. There's actually 3 million American men who have been impacted by prostate cancer. And um, worse yet, I know that we're going to get uh, talking about jobs, but this connects into it. But uh, black men are twice as likely to get prostate cancer and two and a half times more likely to die from it. Come on. So we got to get Come awareness on. out there and save some lives. My dad beat it and so did his dad. Both, Your dad did? Both, both my dad and his dad had prostate cancer. Okay. So the stats are adding up. How's your dad doing? Wow. He's good. He's good now. This was, I was like, this was 19 years ago. So he, if he's, yeah, he couldn't have been, he was 44 when he got it. And, you know, fortunately he was young enough to, to kick it. But yeah, I mean, this is all making sense to me. Well, Cody, according to the doctor I went to, the motherfucker said you ain't got to go until you're 45. You so don't worry about none of your family history. <laughs> That's right. You'd be a year too late, Ron. Exactly. I, I did the right thing and I'm happy for it. So where's your company based? Um, is this remote work? Are we talking remote work or is this more boots on the ground, like in conjunction with other with other nonprofits and stuff? Well, everybody's remote now, but it's um, it's it's um, it's national. One of the jobs I want to talk to you about is actually um, we want to bring in a vice president of health equity. And um, what that is, is uh, it's somebody who's going to come in and be uh, an inspirational an experienced leader who's passionate uh, about addressing and ultimately eliminating racial disparities in prostate cancer. You know, as I said, you know, black men two and a half times more likely to die from prostate cancer. And uh, it's critical to have uh, somebody come in to be able to connect with um, communities of color, to talk about the disease, be able to build bridges, uh, get people involved in the cause, do some advocacy yeah. work, uh, help out with uh, putting together programs so we can get men aware that they even have a prostate, know that they need to get tested for it so they don't have to be in a position of, um, you know, dying from it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you one way we can try and get the black community on board with it is to talk more about the blood tests that happen early in your 30s before a proper prostate exam. Because I'm going to just be, I'm not even being funny right now. Like a lot of it has to do with homophobia in the black community and the hesitancy to talk about having a, a anal pro, an anal exam. That's literally what a prostate exam is. So for someone to openly talk about that and then face the ridicule of the homies and the friends and the, the like, you gotta completely take that off the board. And that only happens from people talking about it and building awareness. God bless you. What are the, what are some of the other positions? Uh, we have um, uh, an operations assistant that we're bringing in coordinator for um uh for the events that we do we have uh, about 50 walks all around the country when you know one of these days we go back to normal after this pandemic we're gonna, we have uh walks all over the country to raise awareness we're going to be bringing in a chapter director in the southeast so to cover some of the area where you're from roy because you're, you're from birmingham right yep. yeah so we're going to get uh you know, alabama mississippi georgia florida covered with a with a chapter director uh, but I'm, I'm excited about bringing in uh, this person who's really going to lead health equity to, to help make a difference. I, I was even going to see, how about you interested in throwing your hat in the ring for this or? 
I, you know what, man? If the Daily Show would ever give me a break, I would be happy to try and do something. But I tell you what, I am on board to support whatever you all are doing. Um, I have to lose weight, so I guess I have to do more of these health walks now. So let me know when you got the walk. It, it, summertime, though, because I'm not sure. When is Prostate Awareness Month? It's like in the fall, right? Yeah, it's September. Yeah, it's almost too much of a breeze in September. We need to move Prostate Cancer Awareness Month to about June. Somewhere in there. Somewhere well, a guy there, dies every know. 15 minutes from it. So so Prostate Cancer Awareness Month should be every month. And that's why we love you. Where can people go to find out more information about these positions? Zerocancer.org slash careers. Zero, Z-E-R-O, cancer.org. Yep. JB, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate you. And I will see you. And you have my word. I'm coming to some of these events. Just keep me in touch and keep me in Keep me in the loop and what you guys have going on. Thank you, Roy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Cody, good to uh, hear that your dad's doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Keep doing good work. Thank you. Thank you, brother. That was a good man right there, Cody. I, I see, man. That's a good man. To, like, pledge your life to making other people's lives better is some selfless, like, it doesn't get the same respect as medicine, per se. Right. But you're raising the money to create the research to create the medicine that will then help the people. So, you know, hats off to JB. We got to keep it moving. We got we got a stacked show of jobs where you have to stand your ass up. Um, I, I feel like I'm being too mean to that doctor, by the way. But that's my fault for going on ZocDoc to find a damn doctor. You went where to find a doctor? It's like Tinder for doctors. You just, well, that's not the best analogy. But... Is it that narrow? <laughs> No, it wasn't a vet. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, JB. Um, but no, I, I think I think there's this. I don't know. I there, there's just the same way we act like every doctor's a good doctor. The same way there's an ain't shit motherfucker at a fast food spot that'll burn your fries and roll his eyes at you. There's doctors that are the same way, that are not excited to be there, that are not excited to do the job. And this man was straight up ridiculing me because I dared to come get a prostate exam at 42 instead of waiting three more goddamn years. We're glad you didn't wait. And we didn't know all of this. So thank you for sharing it. I I didn't know any of this about prostate. You know, I'm an open book. The only thing I don't talk about is my mama because she'll cuss me out. Roy, I think you're, I'm making an assumption here. Uh, If the asshole doctor who you found online uh, to sort out your, you know, hypothetical possible asshole issues uh, was upset. I'm going to guess it's because you came in, what, at 4.15, 4.30 on a Friday? Come on. He didn't care that you were 42 years old. He cared that you were keeping him from happy hour. He said, another asshole. I could understand if I didn't shower and he had to oh check my, my unwashed <laughs> ass cheeks. Fine be upset but i came to you as a concerned black man twice the what did jb just say two and a half times more likely and you dare to give me some of the worst service on earth let's let's (laughs) let me stop because i'm i'm really pissed about that i'm legit upset about that but if i say something crazy then it's just roy from the daily show is an asshole and doesn't support first responders that's how the story will get twisted uh JG, who's next in the job fair? We are going over to Atlanta. And in Atlanta, we're going to talk to Vikas. Vikas works for the Waffle House. He's an oh. ex- Yeah. 
Waffle House Executive Vice President. Well, he's been with them for 18 and a half years, and he's now the Executive Vice President of the Waffle House. Executive Vice President. Vikas Miller, brother, how are you doing? You know what's interesting about Waffle House? Waffle House is one of the few restaurants that you can go to after church and after the club. Yes. Like that's a crazy like, mixture right there, right? Honestly, if you go late enough after the club, you're going to see some people that's on the way to church. church. And some of those people are leaving from the club about to go to church. <laughs> now, I'm not here to single out Waffle House specifically because altercations in restaurants happen at a number of businesses, be it chains or private places. But with Waffle House, with it being such a late night spot, as a corporation, do y'all ever watch the Waffle House videos when they get up on the internet? Like, do you ever see him in the conference room and be like, oh, Lord, what they doing down in Florida? <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, we we do sometimes have some head scratchers. We, we have some interesting folks on third shift. What is it about eggs and liquor that don't mix? I, I, you know what? Maybe at brunch with a mimosa, but it don't mix with brown liquor eggs. No, you're not going to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, we, um, yeah, kind of what you were saying, you know, being open 24 hours in all different types of communities and everything, sometimes it does get a little bit challenging. And and again, most times people come in to watch that show on Third Shift to kind of see what's going on and kind of have a good laugh. Waffle House is one of those spots, because it's a late night spot, that you might have to break up a fight every now and then. Is de-escalation, like teaching those techniques, is that part of working at Waffle House? Like, it, like flight attendants have to learn how to break up a fight because it might be a fight. Y'all got to do that. You know, people get to tripping. You got to put that spatula, put that hot spatula in his face. Yes, we, we absolutely have all that stuff. We, we teach our associates how to try to calm everybody down, try to make sure everybody's happy. Um, so, yeah, we go through that all the time with our hourly associates and our management team. It's just to your point, we have so many situations that kind of pop up throughout the day. Each one of our folks are actually experts at de-escalation. They know how to calm folks down. You sit over here. You sit over here. I'm going to feed you. And then I'm going to feed you. Then y'all both getting out of here. And so that works pretty well. So we have to de-escalate a lot of things. And um, we do a pretty good job of that. Be part grill, operator, part social worker. What I love what you just said in, in that scenario is that you ain't kicking neither customer at the store. I respect Everybody got to eat. We're going to get your money. <laughs> Absolutely. I respect that. Do you think that there's a misconception with restaurant work that it's often seen as a temporary thing to do, high turnover, when the truth is, if you stick with it, it's something you can work your way up the ladder. Like you, 18 years. Yeah, coming from New York, I never walked into a Waffle House. So actually, when I went in there for the first time, I really did not see myself staying there, you know, because it really wasn't something I was used to. Um, the magical thing about the business was that everybody kind of treats you like family. And you see that with customers when they walk in and everybody calls their name out and everybody's just having a good time. And that's really what kind of interests me in, in, in the business. I said, well, working here or just having fun, you know? And oh, by the way, when they, we started talking about the actual business, I said, wow, I can make some money too. And I can have a good time. So that was really what kind of kind of got me interested in it. And, and there's a whole lot of things over my 18 years that I can say Waffle House has been truly like a family to me. So it was something that I wouldn't have expected going in. And a lot of people, when they're sitting there eating their scattered mother covered hash browns mm -hmm. after the club, they don't think about Waffle House as a career. They just think about it as a place they can come and eat, hang out with their friends and go home. And um, when you slow down and kind of look at it and you say every corner you see a Waffle House, 
and behind behind every counter, there's a bunch of people working. That's a lot of jobs. You can wait tables, you can cook the food, you can go into the management program, and you can do all those things and have a great time. You know. I also got to give Waffle House a shout out. Y'all got the shortest job application in the history of job applications. That thing, like four questions. It's like this. Yeah. What's your name? Literally... What's your number? Can you work? Do you have hands? Do you speak English? Come on aboard the Waffle House. Exactly. So if someone is going into a career at Waffle House, with the way COVID is going right now, how solid of a long-term career choice is working for your company? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, we are we are absolutely still hiring hourly associates. We need folks. Actually, we need more folks coming in because we have so many people who are, you know, for whatever reason, can't work at this time. So we're hiring hourly associates, our grill operators, salespeople. Just today, I'm actually up in Tennessee right now, and I ran into three manager trainees that are just starting with us. So exactly. we're hiring management candidates and we're um, hiring hourly candidates. Um, and the thing is, our business, we are virtually debt free. And that has enabled us to really survive during this really, these really tough times. Everybody's always going to have to eat something. And you can only stay home and eat home-cooked meals for a, a short amount of time. And then you got to get out and get something to eat. And so, yeah, so we, we've been, you know, our business has really returned um, pretty robustly. And everybody's coming to Waffle House, getting to go food. Like you said, DoorDash, Postmates, all those folks are coming they're picking up food. So, yeah, we have a lot of job opportunities for hourlies as well as management. So please go to Waffle House Careers, whcareers.com, and, and, and fill out an application. I respect that. Almost debt-free. That's why we've never seen Waffle House, like, partner up with some other restaurant. Because, you know, when times get hard, them restaurants start moving in together. They buddy up. You know, you see a Dunkin' Donuts move in with, like, a Baskin-Robbins. Right, right. Yeah, you won't see that yeah. with Waffle House. Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, Burger King, they all sharing a two-bedroom. But Waffle House, every Waffle House solo. Matter of fact, I've never even seen a Waffle House attached to a truck stop. Y'all just, y'all don't need nobody. That's what we do. That's what we do. Absolutely. You, you know. <laughs> if you ever did team up with somebody, though, I think Waffle House should team up with the Baptist Church. Just church in general. It's only two two establishments Waffle House should be built next to, the church and the club. Church and the club. I sense some hesitation. You don't like it. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to do it on my own. Eggs and liquor might not go together, but eggs and Jesus? <laughs> Boy, you're crazy, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the job, Fair Brother, and sharing these career opportunities with the people. And I will see you somewhere down south, brother man. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Roy, and you stay safe. That was a nice brother, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I gotta say, you're right. The fact that they they let both parties of a fight stay in the Waffle House till they finish eating—that's business acumen. That's you're angry, but you are going to get this food, and we are going to get that money. <laughs> like they legit just go, look, man, we're gonna get our money. We don't care either way. Either way, we getting our money. So I need y'all to calm down. And I need you to place your order. Can you call your own order, Roy? Uh, my order at Waffle House, triple scrambled cheese, wheat toast, grits in a bowl. Always get grits in a bowl at Waffle House in case they're runny. You get more grits. Ah, okay. Cody, can you call your own order? I cannot. I am from Chicago and have pretty much existed <laughs> on the coast uh, since then. Waffle House is not, uh, hasn't really been a place I spent a lot of time <laughs> in my life. Have you ever eaten in a Waffle House? I have eaten in a Waffle House. One time I ate in a Waffle House in Atlanta. Copy that. And it was a hit. 
you know, but I couldn't tell you. I'd be lying if I told you I knew what I got or what I'll get next time. Okay, just curious. So then, Cody, what's the place in Chicago where y'all go to watch fights at one in the morning on a weeknight? The corner <laughs> store. <laughs> the, the corner store. <laughs> that's, that's Chicago just, yeah, we just want to see a fight. We don't need all that order of food shit. We just going to whoop your ass. If you're working somewhere that's currently hiring, we would love to hear from you. Uh, hit us up at Royce Job Fair on social media. RoyceJobFair.com is the website. Uh, you can submit the job opening there. JG will get with you. We'll get you on the show and uh, talk tough. All right, home stretch after the break. We're going to talk to the homie Rod for short to get these uh, things that will help us break the ice. And um, I need to talk briefly about what What did I say I want to talk about? Um, oh, the, the kidnapping dude, the scammer of the week. This is a top-notch <laughs> scammer. Job fair. We'll be back. Roy's Job Fair brought to you as always by Cousins and Nim Fight Services. That was a good run of jobs right there, JG. Thank you for helping set that up. I don't tell you thank you enough. And and I, and I want you to know how much I appreciate you and how wonderful you are and what an integral part you are to this acoustical radio presentation. Uh, Cody, uh, JG also helped us lock down this sponsor real quick, uh, the homie Rob for short. Uh, is standing by and he's going to give us some things to break the ice with co-workers of an opposite race. Now, JG, I, I can't remember when we talked about it, but we talked about the pivot <laughs> and how two-thirds of Americans are considering doing something different with their life. They are considering a change of career. Sackleson State Community College invites you to enroll online in a number of their new courses, including ramen cooking and nightclub bouncer. Get your certification <laughs> in under three years and where other community colleges, you know, th- th- there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of problems with higher education. Like, what do they say, Cody? It's expensive. There's right. no parking. Um, class sizes is too big, you know. But what about the amount of ugly people on campus? What? We don't have the studies to prove it, Jacqueline, but sitting next to someone that doesn't look good could distract you from your education. Sackleson State Community College is the only community college exclusively for good-looking people. Submit a photo of yourself and see if you're attractive enough to be accepted. Nothing but good-looking classmates, so you're guaranteed to focus on your work and meet the spouse of your dreams. Sackleson State Community College, all dimes, all the time. You can get a (laughs) 4.0, but not if you're a 4. Um, let's get the homie Rod for short in here. Rod, how you doing, brother? Feeling good, man. How you doing tonight? For the people who don't know, you know, Rod is an, he's a he's a whisperer of people, a sociologist of sorts. And, you know, you're working in these weird jobs now, you're working remote, and it's hard to break the ice. It's even harder because you're wearing a mask, even if you are on site. You, you, it, it's 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 a struggle to come up with small talk with people that you don't have anything in common with. Rod's job is to come on this show and give you one thing you can bring up with somebody that you think you have nothing in common with, so y'all can be better coworkers. Rod, um, how you doing? How you doing over there, brother? First off, what you sipping on? Let's start there. What are we sipping on this week? Uh, peanut butter whiskey, salted caramel whiskey, and cream soda in my housekeeping appreciation month cup. Cody, count the calories on that. Yeah, before I get the calculator out, I just want to make sure that uh, Housekeeping Appreciation Month isn't the same as uh, Black History Month because then we have a problem. 
I mean, it depends on it depends on what decade you're in, you know. Depending on the decade, um, it might. I don't know what month it's from because you know I've never worked in housekeeping, nor have I known anybody that's worked in housekeeping and don't know how this cup got in my house. <laughs> yo, yo, I really feel like every black household has one cup that the origin is unknown. It's just a cup. It, it's like a Star Trek cup, or. It's fucking Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure commemorative <laughs> Burger King <laughs> cup. And it's just this is in like there. a new cup. Like, I don't know how it ended up in my house, but it wasn't me. <laughs> Rod, one day we're going to have to talk about uh, slowing you down on the alcohol on the weeknight. Uh, all right, so let's get into it, man. Give the white people something to talk to black people about. Uh, white people, you want to be talking to your black co-workers about the smashed Netflix hit Bridgerton. That's something that black people are heavily into since it debuted Christmas 2020. What is this show about? I I know the brother on the show. I know he hosted Saturday Night Live not too long ago. Um, I, I'll be honest. I haven't watched, I, I watched like half an episode with my girl and he was having sex with a white woman and then he pulled out and I'm sorry Jacqueline it's been a very vulgar episode but he just didn't they didn't finish they didn't complete the act is that what the show was about just a dude pull out game yeah well, pretty much it's, he, he likes to get his pull out on I think in the episode you're talking about she forced him to not pull out cause some controversy but uh yeah it's, it's just basically a show about uh, rich white people and rich black people in old England. And uh, the black dude is uh, a hot aristocrat who never wants to sire a child or get married. And the woman he ends up marrying and getting pregnant is a woman who doesn't want to be with him. It's very weird. That sound like now, like hell, you can sit rich. I know, I know two niggas in that situation right now. Yeah, you could change it to Queens Bridgerton, and it would still be the same show, just more joyous. Okay. So this, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dump on the show if it's something that Black people are enjoying. Created by Shonda Rhimes, I know this is her first uh, show since yeah, she left. Yeah, first ABC. big show out of her big Netflix deal, man. But uh, Black people are really liking it because it, it stars. Uh, Queen Charlotte, who was married to King George III, and that's it's the exact King George you're thinking about, the man who had uh, the American colony stolen from him. Uh, his wife was half black, and she was the first black royal in the British royal family. So this show is about the conception of that child? Because I, I don't know enough about <laughs> the royal family. Because motherfuckers be talking King George, Philip the Third, and Fifteenth, and Louis. I'm like, whatever. It's all people in wigs. Respectfully, I'm not trying to shit on your culture if you're over there. But I just I haven't done enough reading about it to know all the names. So this is rooted in truth. Yeah, it's somehow. rooted. It's rooted in a lot of truth. I think everything in this show is fictional. It's based on some fictional books, except for Queen Charlotte being black. Okay, so black people being being amazing and being rich and not getting shot at and choked out, I can get with that. All right, uh, what can black people talk to their white coworkers about, right? Believe it or not, black people can talk to their white coworkers about Bridgerton because white people <laughs> also <laughs> love Bridgerton. I know it's surprising because it's about a black dude uh, banging a white chick and it's a black queen, but white people love this show too because it's one of those shows that pulls you out of feeling white guilt and white privilege because they allow black people to be rich also. 
so white people could just kick back and enjoy seeing old jolly old England and seeing their ancestors and it's like it's cool I don't have to worry about slaves or no shit because uh, the show stars a nigga that's banging white chicks that everybody's cool with yo don't get it twisted uh, black guys banging white girls and black queens are actually on the top five things white people are interested in it they've been keeping up with the Kardashians forever and they love Beyonce that's so fact. you know it's all coming to a head this all makes sense to me. JG, do you watch Bridgerton? I've never seen it. Your face lit up when I said it was a black queen in it, though. You were ready for that. Well, come on. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yes, all of that. All right, man. Okay, well, Rod, as always, thank you so much. This podcast is Uncle Rod's Story Corner. You can find that wherever you download audio, radio presentations. Uh, I'm going to leave you to your peanut butter, caramel, butter and, and syrup what else the hell is in that cream soda salted caramel whiskey and peanut butter whiskey it tastes just like candy <laughs> I can tell it I'm... when you walk <laughs> you know what I'm talking about no I don't know what you're talking about if you ain't diabetic get you one Rod is always a pleasure sir thank you I'm gonna go check out Bridgerton watch another episode He's an interesting man. He he's a, he's an interesting man. I love Rod to death, though. I just don't know if I need peanut butter whiskey mixed with whatever the fuck else he was drinking. Uh, our scammer of the week. I'm just gonna read you the headline. And Jacqueline, I want you and Cody to guess what his job was that he was trying to get out of. Arizona man is accused of faking his own kidnap to evade work. When the police arrived, the man had his hands bound behind his back by a bandana and had cotton stuffed in his mouth. Hmm. He bound his own wrist and gagged himself and invented a story of treasure hidden in the desert. What is the job that you think he was trying to get out of doing? Oh, that's a good one. Trash pickup? I mean, he's a garbage person? Garbage man? I don't know. No, that's a... uh... That's a 10th grade English teacher. That's a hard job. The police in Arizona said in a statement that they believe the scheme was intended to get Mr. Souls excused from his job at a tire store. Huh? Just because you're the scammer of the week doesn't mean you're a good scammer. This is a very bad scam. Very. This was a poorly executed scam, especially when you add treasure. Like, you want to kidnap yourself. Fine. Yeah, what? You start... Talking about some treasure in the forest or some But shit. he could have listened to the job there and found a new job, and then he wouldn't be the scammer. Well, fuck it better tune in now, because he sure ain't got no job now. <laughs> he tied himself up. He put a cotton in his mouth, lost himself. He could have just accidentally got caught in the trunk of somebody's car and hung out for a couple hours with a book. How bad is this job that you just didn't want to... Y'all, that is, none of that's true. He was running from his wife. And that's what was going on. I'm telling you the truth. He was running from his wife. He did something he wasn't supposed to. Oh, you think he was cheating? And then he did something to come out and this is yes. sympathy? He It wasn't sympathy. He was trying to build an alibi. He said, no, look, baby, 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 look, 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 look now. I told you now. I was out looking for your present. Mm-hmm. And I got caught up. Souls told officers after completing an errand, he was abducted by two masked men. The men, according to Souls, drove him around in a vehicle before they left him in an area where he could be found. 
According to the police, he told investigators he had been kidnapped because his father had a large amount of money hidden in the desert. Whatever. The heat must be getting to him. Either that or, or some of those uh, methamphetamines. I understand using lies, though, about work to try and... Fi- I, I, I lied and faked going to work one time to get this girl to leave my house. I don't know if you ever done that. Why didn't you just ask her to leave? I've lived a life. Because you just, you can't do that. I was like 22, 23. I don't even think I was 22 yet. We met on, this is going to age me. We met on AOL Personals. <laughs> okay, why were you on AOL Personals? <laughs> why is people on Tinder and Bumble? For love, Jack. Oh gosh, please. That's why. That's why I was on AOL Personals. I was trying to find love, and this woman came over, and I immediately deduced that this is not love, and she is. This is a very odd situation, and I talked all this shit over email about when you come over, we gonna watch mm-hmm. movies, and then I'm gonna put it on you. Like within like twenty minutes of her being in the house, I was like, I've got to get the fuck out of this house, bro, and. I faked a phone call and then I went upstairs and then I came back downstairs in my Golden Corral uniform. Oh, wow. <laughs> wait, wait, how did you fake a phone call? Because I have a similar story. You leave the room, you set an alarm, you come back into the room, you sit chill for five minutes, wait for your alarm to go off. Oh, but you were doing this call with out a, the room. You were doing this with a landline, though. See, what happened? It wasn't 1985. What are you talking about? It was AOL personals. I know you didn't have a cell phone. It was 98-99. There was cell phones. You just couldn't use them during the day because the daytime <laughs> minutes. Tell your story. I'm in high school, and why is it that you always get caught up when you talk the most shit? I was talking to this one, this girl from my high school like, yeah, oh, your parents are out. We're going to have a great time. Come by. I get there, and I realize that this is actually not love, and I don't want to be there. The iPhone had recently come out, and I had jokingly downloaded this app where you could have fake phone calls. So I had an app where I set it up where, like, in four minutes, my phone was going to ring, and they had, like, a fake Charlie Brown voice on the other end of the line, so it sounded like you were actually talking to somebody. Exactly. So, and, That's ingenious. And I had it make it look like my dad called me and so it was like i didn't have to leave the room i was sitting in the room my phone quote unquote rang and then it was hello oh dad and then no but i just got here but i i got uh you heard the man i gotta go like literally yeah you're right jacqueline this Arizona dude, 100%, this is over a woman. 100%. Listen to the two guys. 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so clear. That's the job fair for this week. Thank you to everybody who called in and contributed uh, some employment, some stories. Uh, if you want to be a part of the job fair, at Roy's Job Fair on social, RoysJobFair.com is the website. If you're old school from the 80s and still use landlines <laughs> and try to meet people on AOL Personals, you're not going to real... <laughs> I'm not gonna let you romance shame me, bro. I went on AOL. That was that was the thing back in the, that was the Tinder of that time. Yo, you get on the internet, you'd meet a woman, you'd ask her age, sex, and location, and then you'd go to FedEx office, then called Kinkos, and you would scan a photo. You would send one photo. Fo- you had one goddamn photo to represent you for the rest of the day. And it was in black and white, wasn't it? Depend on the scanner. Did you want to pay extra to get a color scan? 
It's all about what you want to do. How good of a representation, how good of a first impression do you want to make on this woman on AOL Personals? We're gone. I'm That prostate doctor has me in a bad mood. Although a bidet would be a nice thing. Okay, we're, we're done. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.